all corners of the globe to your ears. It's the Midnight Movie Cowboys. Sometimes informative, sometimes controversial, but always unpredictable. It's the Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast with your hosts, Hunter, John, and Stu. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Midnight Movie Cowboys. The gang's all here. I am Hunter in Dallas. Joining me in the wild outback of Australia is Mr. Stuart Balk. Say hello, Stu. Just jumped off the train from the uh, Yeba. Yeah, but yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yep. Hey, and uh, we got John in the Mount Rocky Mountain High of Colorado. Say hello, John. Hello. He's uh, a <laughs> He's rocking. Rocking that goatee. I, I want yeah. you to kind of shave it into a John Wilkes booth for me. Can you do that? I'm uh, thinking of doing it, but uh, <laughs> my wife gets frightened when I have the mustache. It oh, yeah. Yeah. When 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 my daughter got here. here. Yeah. When my daughter got here, my wife was like, get rid of the mustache, please. Yeah. It's unacceptable I mean, unless you're Charles Bronson or Burt Reynolds or Tom Selleck. You can't look good with it. It's, there's only three guys on earth who can look good with it. Clark and they, don't, like it. And they oh, don't look good without it either. Yeah, that's what true. about what about Sam Elliott? Oh yeah, 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 him too. They can somehow they rock it. I don't know genetics, you know, symmetry. I have no idea. Symmetry. Well, this is our first show together in a while. Let's. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this segment. Let's whip out our junk, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do you want to go first, Stu? All right, I've got a little bit, so I'm going to do mine in increments over the next few episodes. Because if I was to do it all, I'd be here for two hours. And uh, we can't have that. So I'm going to do out uh, do my seven called Whip Out Your Box this week, which is all box sets and stuff I bought. So uh, not about telling women to whip out their box. You know, not like that. But anyway, um, so first up, I picked this up for in a bundle for 20 bucks, which included a massive book, which is now out of print, a DVD. And oh, I better change my background because that's not going to work. I'm sorry. Um, uh, choose virtual background, and there'll be none. And I'm sorry about that. And oh yeah, that's right. It it screws it up just, whenever you. Yeah, do that. it does. Yeah. So, and the first one is ACDC's "Plug Me In" box. Ah. Um. Yeah. I okay. thought they were called ACDC because they's gay. Because they like to plug it in there. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I heard they were. It was after Christ Death Comes. That's what it stands for. No, oh, no, it was after Christ Devil Coming. I've heard that. King, Devil Coming? King, e- yeah, I thought forever. we said the Bible Belt, if, 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 I thought it was Knights in Satan's Service or Kings in Satan's Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gore, which is like many variations on Gores, you know. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, I know. All right, moving on. Uh, pick this up on the. Black Friday sale of uh, Sanity, which is now unfortunately shutting all these stores, but this was only 20 bucks. Um, still still haven't opened it yet. Iron Maiden Sinjutsu. Oh. Yeah. Um, Gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of that album. Okay, I've heard various conflicting reports, most saying it's not very good, but for 20 bucks for this edition, oh, yeah. which is the um, limited one with a book, I don't care. Yeah, I, I get it. You just lift weights to it. You just lift weights. That's all you do. Yeah, and there's there's some good songs on there. It's not it's yeah. not all. It's just you know a lot. Of, the problem with Maiden is they do the eight ten minute songs that just aren't earned. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pseudo prog. 
Yeah. Yeah. It really is pseudo prog. It is yeah. fake prog rock. But they just don't do it well. Yeah. No, they don't. No, long, long gone are the days of a 40 minute maiden album. Like, I mean, my favorite's been Somewhere in Time for years. I just, I love yeah. that one because it's just eight songs, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and it's done. And it's the perfect melding of like atmosphere and, you know, like their nerdy subjects and stuff. It just, that one just fires on all. So I, that's a really good one. Yeah. I never liked it when it came out. I thought, oh, this is a bit too different from Power Slave. But as time went on, as I got older, I said, wow, this is really good. So, Me too. Um, if it, like when I was younger, I was like, oh, Peace of Mind's the best, you know, or if you want like Complex Made in Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, I can't stand that album now. I know? love it. I love Seventh Son. Actually, oh, that really? was one I, I thought- it was all right, but then I heard it again about maybe a month back because my brother goes, go listen to Seven Sun again. I go, all right, listen to it a week ago. Man, this is actually really good. The ones I can't listen to now are the first two with Diano. I just, oh. Oh, really? Holy shit, they're <laughs> bad. You don't want to, uh, you don't want him to rejoin in his wheelchair laid up. <laughs> D- dissing Bruce Dickinson from his, from his, uh, from his wheelchair while meanwhile well, Bruce and the band are paying his medical bills. <laughs> And Bruce is like, he's like, I'm running around, you fucking idiot. No, he's like, elephant legs like you. He's like, I fly planes. What do you do, Paul? <laughs> Roll around. I on sing old maiden songs like they should be. Right, Singing opera's on. easy, Bruce. Yeah. yeah. This is the punk rock maiden. Okay, moving on. I picked this up for a tenner. Star Trek on Blu-ray, the animated nice. series. I have that. Yep. And pristine condition as well. Uh, more Star Trek here. Uh, picked up that the Star Date collection from a woman for thirty bucks. Nice. In, uh, good Nick. Picked this up for twenty bucks on the Black Friday sale. Um, that the Bill and Ted three pack. Wow, um, I still haven't seen Face the Music. I I uh, watched the beard and uh, you know. It's it kind of right. seemed like I remember Bill and Ted had sons, and then all of a sudden they have daughters, and I was like, "Oh, it's that kind of movie." It's the okay. yoga hoses. <laughs> yeah, you know, Bill and Ted meet the yoga hoses. <laughs> um, finally, pick this one up off of a guy on Marketplace for 115 bucks. I thought it's got to be the cheap Chinese fake running around, but he sent me pics. I went to his house. He wasn't far from me. I looked at it, and it is the real one because there is a discernible difference on the back. And, um, yeah, Pink Floyd's Discovery Box set. Ooh. Um, now, you're probably thinking out there, oh, you got gypped, you idiot. No. On the back of here is the EMI label, or it says product of EMI, something like that. On the Chinese fakes going around, it says MEI. Is it that fucking stupid? <laughs> <laughs> so... And they, and also the ones that come in the, the Chinese fake box, they're not sealed. Uh, these are all sealed. This this was brand new, still sealed. I said, why are you getting rid of it? He goes, like I've heard repeatedly from people in Marketplace, I need the money. I'm like, all right. Hey, all man. Right. Hey, I've been selling some of my vinyl on Discogs, but I've been yeah. getting I've been getting very handsome returns, like paying getting way more than what I paid for them. Really? So, yeah. What about the uh, white zombie box? Is that gone yet? No, I haven't sold that. Um, but I sold uh, Heaven and Hell's Devil You Know for one hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, but you didn't pay that much for it, right? No, I paid like thirty. Oh wow, <laughs> shit! That's crazy. Yeah, I, I sold. Um, I sold Devin Townsend's Ziltoid for one hundred and fifty. 
and uh yeah like crazy um <laughs> y'all are like how, how many properties what? do you own now <laughs> oh man yeah like but i i it's i was going i just went through my collection and i was looking at the pricing and i went ooh, like i took ones that were worth way more than what i paid for them yeah that i was willing to part with yeah because uh, there's some stuff on there where i'm like this is just this is gold i don't want to get rid of it. No. it like you know but i was just going i don't spend these you know when am I going to listen to heaven and hell's devil, you know, again, you know, not. I respect, you know, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to reach for other Dio and Sabbath. First, yeah. So. Anyway, just to finish up real quick. Um, so there was a Pink Floyd box set, but because it only goes up to the division bell, I ended up picking up delicate sound of thunder pulse and the endless river. Yeah. endless river completes the Floyd collection, but I do need to get, is there anybody out there? The box, the, wall live one that came out in 2000 you know this john only recognizes sid barrett floyd yes that's so the first <laughs> the first two and that's it i like momentary lapse of reason i do i like a lot about that you picked up one of the most obscure ones aside, I, like don't worry about animals don't worry about dark side of the moon don't worry about the wall don't worry about uh you know metal it's like oh <laughs> I like this, well it came like out when i was in high school so it has more significance than Okay, it's yeah. fair enough. I mean, it's, it's I just a cool got, album. I just got Floyd's Live at Nebworth on vinyl, and that's the 1993 mm. piece, you know, minus Roger Waters, and that's a great live show. Like, awesome. Yeah, that's to. one of the ones I'm missing as well. But actually, my 11-year-old, yeah. my, how old is he? 10-year-old has it, <laughs> if you can believe oh, that. Um, so good. Is that the one with seven tracks on it, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And the, the vinyl I got is 45s. It's so good. Sounds cool. I got the animals on vinyl. I probably need to look into selling. So, yeah, you'd be surprised what you get from these days if it didn't good, Nick. It's weird. Yeah, no, mine's in great shape. So, yeah. Anyway, that's me done for this one. All right, John, you want to go? Sure. Uh, I got a package from the Nez the other day. Oh, nice. uh, oh my gosh, the... Nez! What? I don't ever get packages from the Nez. So, so well, <laughs> fellow, he's a fellow reader. He probably reads as much as I do because mm. he goes through books pretty. Well, quick, he does. So. He sent me uh, coffee with Hitler. So, <laughs> somebody get a capture of John holding up coffee with Hitler. <laughs> New profile pic. <laughs> get me on uh, some some uh, watch list, right? And yeah. uh, uh, Ben McIntyre's Colitz, which is uh, another history. This, of course, the letters are distorted on uh, on Messenger or, or Zoom or Zoom mm -hmm. cameras. Um, he also sent me an Ian Kershaw history book that I have upstairs that I'm going to crack. I'm going to start digging in all this stuff this weekend. Yeah, I've got his book, The End, which is about World War II in 1945 in Germany. That's like his specialty. And his books are not cheap. So when that was sent this to me, I was surprised. I was like, whoa. It's like they, they don't go for cheap on Amazon like a lot of those books. Do. Anthony does. He's, I've had many a times where I've said, do you know what this goes for? He goes, I don't care. Just take it. Yeah, he's also he uh, Kershaw is also one of the guys who was uh, uh, kind of involved in the canceling of uh, David Irving. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, take oh, out wow. one of those rival World War II historians. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually I'm not going to show all the books on the camera because it's too much time. But uh, I went to uh, the book rack in Denver uh last weekend and they had a two-for-one sci-fi sale and most science fiction i don't really care much for but i realized maybe i would enjoy more of the golden age short stories science fiction from the 30s and 40s and 50s so i bought like a stack of these asimov's 
best science fiction of the year. They each cover like a different year, like 1942, 43. And it's just short fiction. And that way you don't have to worry about some door stopping Game of Thrones size garbage read that you get tired of after an hour or two. Like I've got a few stories in like an hour and you're good or within 30 I've, I've got a few of those Ellison volumes that are like edge works, like huge. And I got rid of some of them because I was going, you know, this is this thing is gargantuan and i like like two little stories in it yeah. right I, i've gotten rid of a lot of my harlan ellison particularly the fiction you you that. you gave me some of your harlan ellison you gave me yes your i glass did yes key. i mean they're glass fun to read once. yeah they're you know they're yeah yeah like like uh you know as much as as much as i think he lies you know watching and edging my voice and stuff those are oh, entertaining yeah. to read even though like he makes up a lot of stories about seeing the omen and couples like like they were jerking off sexual, to the sexual ecstasy watching yeah, the omen yeah. what in the guy's head come off going you know <laughs> well this uh this stuff intrigues me because it's science fiction from uh a time when they weren't they couldn't write about sex or culture or, or anything they could only write about what was in the uh mainstream thought in the 30s and 40s so, and so they write about robot sex robot yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't mention sex at all even though they're all pervs like hubbard and uh heinlein was a wife swapper and you know oh yeah because i'm reading yeah. this book called astounding that tells the whole story about the whole john campbell golden age of science fiction all these guys all these cats are screwed up in the head like they're all a bit a bit messy in their personal lives like but i remember when i'd go to larry mcmurtry's bookstore in archer city um I would find these like sci-fi digests from that time, like that had yeah. stuff by Asimov in it. And I would, I would buy those and read them uh, back. They're fun ages ago. Yeah. Like, but I would just have these old issues and you could buy them for nothing. They were like falling apart, you know, oh, God, they're, they're more enjoyable than reading about wife swappers on Venus or, or whatever the hell Heinlein would, would write about later on. Yeah. My yeah. marketplace, they've got just people just throwing out books, literally free books come and take them. I look at some of the books. I thought, are you kidding me? But eh, I want to give them away free. It's up to them. Yeah, I've gotten them. stacks of stuff from library sales. Just nobody. There's no interest in books, so I've been able to find a lot of rare editions and rare stuff. You know, just Sa at a sale, I could I could get like an old a 1950s Tarzan juvenile novelization of Tarzan and the Lost Safari, uh, published by I think Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated. So they have like Opar and all the stuff from the novels in there, and it was a dollar. And it was in good shape. Yeah. It's just like to them, crazy. it's just decluttering. Um, you know, I've been I've yeah. been given boxes of DVDs over the last couple of months. I've been away and free CDs. I said, I mean, I do ask, why don't you want these? And they said, We just want them out of the house. One lady actually thanked me. She said, Thank you so much for taking these. I look at the boxes like fucking all this stuff on CD. I thought, well, and the, and the thing I, I was talking to one of my sons, I said, you know what the problem is? People are now just so reliant on streaming. Oh, I want mm -hmm. to listen to Pink Floyd. I'll just pull up uh, animals. Spotify. Spotify yeah. and listen to animals on Spotify. That's fine. But it only takes the artist to say, well, we, don't long, we don't want streaming no more. No more. Not even that. I mean, it can just be like, oh, oh, you know what? Like, we don't like what Roger Waters says about politics. Like, we're just going to quietly. Like, Joni Mitchell, man. They, yeah. they Breitbart him out of their home. So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, or yeah, like I want my stuff removed. I want my music removed from Spotify because you host Joe Rogan and mm. he's he's a you know 
he's weird evil. meathead. He's 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 he's, he's uh he's a right wing neo Nazi, even though he's just a meathead. Uh, you know, mm. uh, he's a, like a socialist meathead. Yeah, he's he's, he's a, a Bernie bro. You know? Yeah, he's a, yeah he's a total Bernie bro. Well, another thing is, I think there's this movement of having your home look like an IKEA catalog picture, <laughs> and, like it's no clutter, like you don't read books, you don't collect movies. It's it's the Marie movies. Kondo effect, John. Yeah, yeah. This so, does not spark a bunch of knockoff shows on Netflix that are reorganize your home, declutter your home, and there's it. That's a big thing now. Having lots of books does not spark joy. Yeah, you know? apparently. Condense them all PDFs. Yeah. Is that it for you, John? Yeah, that's it for me. Okay. So for me, uh, something I got for Christmas that was pretty cool. My mother-in-law got me a stack of Ewing comedy Blu-rays. Kind Hearts and Coronets. I've seen it. Great movie. And I have not seen these two. The Lavender Hill Mob. Oh, fantastic. I've heard it's great. And another Alexander McKendrick joint, The Man in the White Suit. That's a good movie. Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, I've not seen that one either, but Lavender Hill Mob must watch. Okay, will do. Uh, You know, my wife and I watched The Lady Killers, and like we watched it again very soon after because we were like, this movie's so funny. Um, You know, I've talked about it a lot because of Peter Sellers. And speaking of Peter Sellers, I got the Kino Lorber Blu-rays of the Pink Panther movies without Peter Sellers. Oh, Inspector Clouseau with Alan Arkin. Was it five bucks? Oh, yeah, these were cheap. Curse of the Pink Panther. Ooh. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. The highlight is got there's like... a four-minute fight with Ed Parker in an alleyway <laughs> that's pretty good. That's fun. And then the worst trail of the pink panther no i've got trail in the peter sellers oh okay but son of the pink panther with roberto benini Mm -hmm. although herbert lom was coming back to do this one too that's because it was blake edwards follow-up it was yeah and it was blake's last he he didn't do clouseau uh he wasn't involved with this one but he did these two and speaking of edwards a movie I've never seen of his that I've always wanted to see is Experiment in Terror. So good film. That. Really good movie. Yeah. Because I remember hearing about Blake Edwards and people going, you know, he's known for comedy, but he did some awesome movies outside of that genre. And people always cite this movie as one to check out. It's excellent. Um, so last two, one for the Arrow Shelf, the Dunwich Horror with Dean Stockwell. Mm-hmm. Written by written by Curtis Hansen. Oh wow. Losing yeah. it's Curtis Hansen. Nice. Yep. And last but not least, Fortune Stars Dragon Forever, Dragons Forever. Which oh, has a nice yeah, nice little book and poster. Got that one, John? Yeah, yeah. Showed it to my kid about a couple of months back. I got the region two version like from a year ago though, or two years ago. Yeah, I I can't believe Fortune Star put this out. It's a nice little set. Oh, and I forgot one thing. Hold on. Real quick. I got... Da-da-da-da! Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Volume 2, baby! Shaw Brothers Volume 2! And what's in that one? That piece of shit? This uh, this one has... This one's got the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. 
Return yeah. to the 36th Chamber and Disciples of the 36th Chamber, which I'm not a big fan of either one of those. I like the first one, but the, the sequels are just, I don't know. They're meh. What you... Yeah, I didn't, like, thirty Return was like a comedy version. Uh, and Disciples, I don't think, I don't, I don't even think Lau Kar Long wanted to make it. <laughs> Disciples was about Feng Sayu, who Jet Li later played years later in a couple of movies. Um, we got Mad Monkey Kung Fu. Good movie. That's a great one. Five Super Fighters, which I've never seen. It's really good. It's really fun. Invincible Shaolin. I don't think I've seen that one. That's a um, terrific one. That's a good Venom's film. A, a really good one. Kid with the Golden Arm. Love great that one. movie. Uh, Magnificent Ruffians, which I've never seen. Really good. Ten Tigers of Kwantung. I know I've seen that, but I can't think. I, I remember nothing about it. They kick a guy's head off. It's messy, but it's fun. My Young Auntie, classic. Great movie. Um, and there's no commentary with Andy Klein and uh, Elvis Mitchell. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. I know you were hoping that would carry that Rob over. Zombie instead. Yeah, I, I got the set myself, but I haven't opened it yet. So, we, Mercenaries from Hong Kong, which I've never seen. It's really good. Really cool. Film. Um, and the, the goat, the greatest of all time, the boxer's omen. <laughs> Could, that might be the worst thing on there, even though I don't think it's that bad of a movie. But it's I, I really like Boxers, though, and Stu hated yeah. it. Oh, uh, uh, I made him watch it back in the early, early days. Well, you on the first ones we did. Yeah, it was like episode four or something. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, it's harsh on gross out horror, which it, I think is kind of that it could throw. I don't care for it myself. And uh, there's only a few in the genre I like. The boxes I mean, was the boxes I mean, was the one film Millie really made me say, "Fuck this podcasting luck." I, I can't I, be bothered. I, 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 I'm not saying for these shit movies again. And uh, yeah, let's see. Oh yeah, there's the the dope poster, Boxer's Omen. Look at that, sick. <laughs> um, and it's got it's got Bolo Young in it too from Enter the Dragon. Well, it's got um, um it's got the CD. Does it have the CD soundtracks for? A couple yeah, of it films? does. Yeah, yeah that's does. that. To me, that's almost worth the hundred bucks I paid for it. So. Um, and we've got. I haven't opened mine yet. Martial Arts of Shaolin. Which one is that? That's a like Jet Li film directed by Via uh, Jialiang Lao yeah. in mainland China. We, it's great. I think we did that on the show, John. Uh, I feel like we watched it and talked I don't about think it. So. I, which you don't one? think so? Martial we Arts. We did of a Shaolin. Fighter. We've never done Martial Arts of Shaolin. Okay, I've seen that one. I know I've seen that one. Um, it's a really good movie. And then Barefooted Sh Kid, which Shaolin Woodman is one you did. You know, we, did I know we did that. We did Eight Darren Pole Fighter, right? No, no, we did Shaolin Woodman. I remember we did that one. Maybe we did. Yeah. And I think uh, Shout's about to put that out on Blu ray. There's a. Oh, they probably are. Show. I've already got like an 88 films Blu ray of that one. But yeah. Uh, they're putting out a uh, Jackie Chan set. Yeah. Um, no. Anyway. That's all the for same me. 10 films that they've been out forever. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all the same stuff. Uh, speaking of Jackie Chan, we're talking about one of his big influences this this on this episode, and that is Buster Keaton with the movie Sherlock Jr., directed by Keaton, starring Keaton. Uh, and uh, this is a film that I wanted to do because Stu was unfamiliar with Buster Keaton, and um, He's one of my favorites. I show his movie, The General, in my film class. It's always a huge hit. And uh, I picked Sherlock Jr., or we did, because it's pretty short, and it's also one of his most inventive movies. Like, there's a lot of action 
and craziness in it. It takes a minute to get going, but once it gets going, it's really good. Um, but uh, Stu, I know you're new to Keaton, John. Uh, I know I'm. You've seen a lot of Keaton, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, what's your favorite? Um, I like Sherlock Jr., but um, I really like the General quite a bit. And, yeah, the um... jet. It's hard to argue with the General because it's so, um, physical. Like the the train is exciting, the chase is exciting. It's it's really good. I see people arguing that Sherlock Jr. is better, but it's hard to argue with uh, the general. I think, and but, I like the I like the one the Navigator. I think because so many Looney Tunes have ripped it off. Oh yeah, with like the ones yeah. with uh, Yosemite Sam and the matches on the island and the like, yeah. they're doing Robinson Crusoe and stuff. Like they've ripped it off so many times and. Bugs Bunny cartoons. It's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, and there's that clip of Bogdanovich talking to Frank Capra, and he's like, "Well, you know, the they were kind of killed by looted by cartoons." <laughs> they were. The cartoons um, could have more of the Buster Keaton influence than the movies with sound, which is the strangest thing. Yeah, it's funny how that how that happens, man. When I watch old Looney Tunes, you know they are so edgy. Um, like there's this Merry Melodies where the camera goes up to this frog and the frog's going and they go and now we are showing you a close-up of a frog croaking and then the frog just pulls out a gun and blows his brains i I don't know how they got away with it they had (laughs) i don't know how they did it well they weren't made for kids they were made for adults they played i know movies well it's funny um I was watching a documentary on Ub Iwerks, the guy who created Mickey Mouse and mm-hmm. did all the he was like the 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 technical brains behind Disney. And he right. left Disney for a while and did his own studio. And I was I saw clips, they had clips from the cartoons in there and there's like nudity and like all this like really raunchy stuff and they said that the audience for these things was businessmen on their lunch break. They would go grab lunch, go to the movies, watch the news, watch some cartoons, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It was for adult males. Yep. You know? There's a um a thing where cartoons can get so uh misinterpreted what they are. I, I give an example. My son, a couple of sons and myself went to a secondhand store and they had a whole bunch of movies in various sections, you know, um horror and uh action and they had kids and uh in the kids section one of them was meet the feebles and my son goes oh no <laughs> he goes um he took up the counter she goes oh you want this he goes oh yeah no nah, he wouldn't be putting this in the kids section it's not kids <laughs> let's we have the new banana splits movie in there oh my goodness yeah. banana the new winnie the pooh film yeah yeah oh blood and honey or whatever winnie the blood sucker whatever the hell it's called I don't know. oh just such such lazy crap oh it's yeah. a it's a beloved children's property. Let's do it as a horror movie. <laughs> Edgy horror. Oh, that wow. banana split movie was. But, he's eat, but he kills Christopher Robin and wears uh, him like a skin I suit. watched that banana splits. I said, I can't believe what I'm, what I'm seeing. I grew yeah. up on that show and love the show. But my goodness, that film was just. <sighs> Whenever that garbage comes out, I always say, who's in it? Eric Roberts or Nicolas Cage? You can play a game. <laughs> it's going to be one or the other. <laughs> I'd just be a cameo, but it's gonna be one or the other. Uh so but yeah, Keaton's stuff is just so influential on Looney Tunes. Um, you know, even stuff that's like really lowbrow like Jackass, like Johnny Knoxville in the Navigator, there's that gag where Keaton's got the 
the little cannon attached to his leg and he can't every time he moves it aims towards him and knoxville did a gag where he had a little cannon rigged onto his leg and he was walking around and making it go off and fire into like people's butts you know, on a set of jackass <laughs> like he would and he he would recreate these uh keaton gags like he did the steamboat bill jr the facade falling down except he screwed it up and it landed on him <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and and they show it in the bloopers so good uh but anyway Stu, what this age was Johnny the... Knoxville? Was it the stunts or the failed liver? I'm not sure. <laughs> Dude, I think that guy, that guy's gonna have dementia like when he hits 60. You yeah, know? he already looks like crap. He looks Dude, awful. does he? Did did you see yeah. the latest Jackass movie where he did because you know one of his favorite bits to do is get in a ring with a bull, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, in Jackass 2, they did the Toro Totter where they're uh, doing the seesaw and the bulls t- like that that bit is amazing um mm-hmm. he does the bit where he recreates tom and jerry where he wears the blindfold and the cigarette and the bull hits him but he did a bull bit in jackass forever and it it goes horribly wrong it's in the movie but you can tell everyone on the set thinks he's dead like he goes up in the air and he's totally limp like just and I don't get it. He said it. He said the appeal. He said he said it took him like months to recover from that, and um, I was like, just from that alone, like that's shaving, that's got to shave like a decade off your life. I went to a rodeo last summer, and it was the bull bull riding competition, and not luckily none of those guys were hit by those things, but they are nothing more than a gigantic cannonball of muscle and horn. And if they pop yeah. you, you ain't going nowhere for nine months. That's what I tell people about kangaroos. Everyone's thinking, oh, this cute little monster. They will kill you. They can kill yeah. you. Yeah, that's strong. My One of my favorite things. I saw Matilda. Axel, those things can box. Yeah. They can. They really can. Now, Woody Allen got in the ring with one. You ever see that bit? No. <laughs> Look up Woody Allen kangaroo boxer on YouTube and like, this kangaroo gets in the, the ring and Woody Allen's got the white feet on. He's like, <laughs> the kangaroo is like, yeah. <laughs> is it a real one? Or is it like Matilda? Like a guy in a, suit? no, it's a real kangaroo. Like it, it looks like it's scared and could mess him up. That's the worst. Knock, when they scared, they get the attack mode. For... It, it, and Woody keeps going up and kind of fainting and <laughs> <laughs> lucky for Woody. He's probably more of a jock than Johnny Knoxville will ever be. So. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is not. He Knoxville. is. though, seriously, he's apparently an amazing basketball player. So, dude. Oh well, he loves basketball. Uh, I remember reading. A, you know, people think Woody is like this guy who's gonna spend his evening watching Boonwell films, but he's like, no. You know, my idea of a good evening is you know cracking open a beer and watching the Knicks. Fucking <laughs> like my that. Korean stepdaughter. I say, I say, Soon Yi, can you bring me a Schlitz, or I'll depart you. Now, if you watch Sleeper, he's throwing a basketball into the into the basket, and he's he's hitting everyone. Like he's he's wow. never misses. <laughs> Those early Woody Allen films, man, that was so funny. That was so. I need to revisit them to see if they still hold up. But from memory, oh man, oh good. For that that run from take the he had from take the money and run all the way up to. I mean, I'd even say Annie Hall. I enjoy Annie Hall. It's not as uproariously funny as the others. 
Um, even Love and Death isn't as funny, but man, it's just still good films to watch. But anyway, another um, time. Since 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 I'm able to do this, maybe we can. Uh... Oh, I can't screen share. Never mind. Oh, um, I'll fix that. In a minute. Carry on. But I was gonna say I, I'll bring up that that Woody Allen kangaroo boxing match because it's pretty short. <laughs> but uh, let me know when you've got that fixed. But but Knoxville. Uh, did you ever see that movie where he plays uh, a theme park owner, Action Point? No, I never saw it. He did this stunt where he like goes on this. It was based on Action Park, the really dangerous theme park uh, that right. Gen Xers. Led. I saw the trailer eternally, but never went to see the movie. And he like went did this thing where he goes off a slide and like lands on his face. Like he, it's like a toboggan thing, and he goes over the edge and eats it. Right. And Knoxville said his eye fell out of its socket after oh my doing goodness. that. And he said he had to have an eye patch on. And he said he sneezed and it popped out and he had to like he should put it back. he should be the host of Creep Show, the TV show. Yeah, he should. I mean, my goodness. Anyway, here's the Woody story, Allen. Kitty. Yeah. Here's Woody Allen oh, boxing okay. a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> and if I beat the kangaroo, I get the bang soon for the rest of her life. If the roo wins, well, he wins. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, I don't think I. Oh, that's this. I mean, this looks like he could die at any moment. Oh, that's, that's a real. That's a real him. one. Yeah, that thing yeah. will kill him. One good right cross, and he is dead. That thing is ready to attack. I've seen that before. Oh, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Got to cut this out for the audio only listeners, but uh, this is this is a riot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's well, actually scary looking when they're like. Yeah, that. if 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 you're listening at home, check this out on YouTube, on Midnight Movie Cowboys YouTube channel. Guys, I'm telling you now, this is no exaggeration. That's a smaller root. That's not one of the bigger ones. I no, believe yeah. you. I totally believe you. Yeah, I no, believe you. I've seen what? some of those. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it would. If you want to, kangaroo leave. just kicked the crap out of the host. <laughs> <laughs> And just kick, oh, just kick him in the nuts as well. Oh wow. man, get the fuck out of you, idiot! That thing will kill you. <gasps> oh, oh my wow. god! Classic. I wouldn't. I see those things, but you know, sometimes I just, I just, I just flee. I just hit the fucking pedal and drive out of there. I'm not taking their lunch money. I'm not messing with them. I'll eat them. They are nice and a burger and shit. But holy crap! I'm yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to upset one. But all right. Sorry about that. My computer was making noise. Um, so Buster Keaton. Uh, you saw your first Buster Keaton movie, Stu. I am curious about your thoughts on Sherlock Jr. Okay. It was a long 45 minutes. Let's say that much. Really? Yeah, it was a long 45 minutes. 
I will break it up into two parts, pros and cons. Pros, Keaton is a master at physical comedy. Okay. Um, cons, <laughs> I didn't like it. You didn't like it? I was it. bored. I was actually texting Anthony. I go, man, I'm bored out of my skull with this thing. And I, I think one of the things was there was very few title cards. It was really hard to follow for me. Okay. There was a whole bunch um, of music and... There'll be an odd title card. Oh, someone stole the watch. Um, all this. But it was so that was so intermittent that yeah. it was hard for me to follow. Not to say it was bad. I'm not gonna turn around and say actively avoid this, this is terrible. Not at all. But uh, it's a little hard for me to follow. That's all it was. So uh one thing about this movie uh is that it is kind of it is a little bit slow. I think the stuff at the beginning with him cleaning out the, he works, he's working at the movie theater mm. and he's cleaning out the trash and he keep, people keep coming over going, Oh, I misplaced money and finding money. And you know, the guy gives, he tries to give the dude some money and he picks up the wallet and pulls out this big wad of cash. Like there's some really funny stuff in there, but there's a lot of setup. Mm. Okay. Cause the, the plot is about Buster is a guy who wants to be a detective. He works at a movie theater. Um, he likes this girl, but there's like a Chad dude who likes her too. And the Chad frames Buster for stealing the, the, the her dad's watch. Mm. And, uh, really it was the Chad who did it Yeah, and, um, to pawn some stuff to get her a nice gift. And, um, Buster is trying to figure out how to solve the case. He goes to work. He starts projecting a movie. He falls asleep and he has a dream about being a master detective, Sherlock Jr., and that's where the movie really uh, gets crazy. Uh, that's where the movie really gets interesting. Like he comes out of his body. It's a very Georges Méliès segment. He goes up to the movie screen and he there's this masterful editing where he's, you know, about to sit in a chair and then he falls back and it, we cut and we're, he's on a city street and he falls into the street and jumps up and he'll look over and then he's on a cliff and he's about to fall and he'll go, Ooh, you know, it's just, yeah. it's really well done. The physical comedy I just had me you know, jaw dropping down. I can't believe some of the things he was doing back in 1924. This has some of his best like physical work. In fact, um, there's the motorcycle chase in the movie. There's the part where, uh, he, well, I don't actually, this isn't the motorcycle chase. This is a different sequence. But there's a scene where Buster's on top of a train and he grabs on to this water spigot and it turns on and slams him onto the railroad. Uh, the train's left and he like fault the water presser knocks him down. He broke his neck doing that stunt. Oh, but he, yeah. And he didn't know it for a few years. He had headaches and he went to the Ten doctor. And the, yeah. Was it 10 years? 10 years. Like, we're no YouTube video. So. Yeah, he yeah he went to the doctor and the doctor said, "When'd you break your neck?" And he said, uh, "I didn't." <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, but when you watch the stunt, he hits the railroad track and then he gets up and runs off. You know? It was all okay. funny because it's a subtle stunt. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's never the big stunts that do it. It's always the subtle stunts. Jackie Chan was injured by just jumping from tree to tree. In you armor know, of God, you, the hole in his head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really minor stunt. He was just jumping onto a tree, and he said the branch broke, and he just – I love it on Conan. He's like, if, I, if, the, if the cameraman just move I or and go like this, I'd be fine. 
but he didn't. He went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if only Jackie, right? If only this. If only. If that. only. Yeah. And uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's always the smaller stunts, you know. It's it's not the big ones that make your jaw hit the floor. But but Keaton's stunts are very seamless. They think they're gonna be simple. You know, they think they're gonna be simple, and they don't have to over be over cautious prepping for them. I think that's what does them in. And then it's yeah. all it takes is that little slip, and you're falling. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and Stu, you were saying his stunts are seamless. Yeah, it seems like there's no quick cuts to patch together a stunt. It just seems to be one hit, uh, one take, I should say, and just all seamless. You just get like the camera setup. And one thing that's brilliant about Buster is uh, he kind of the way he worked was very much a product of the early days of movies. Um, because there wasn't this standardized way to do things. I mean, that had developed, but he was able to kind of work undisturbed. And his movies would cost way more than usual films, but they did well, so he was able to do that. But he would kind of improvise on the set. So, for instance, there's a movie called Three Ages where he jumps from one rooftop, and he was supposed to jump to the other rooftop, but he missed the jump. And he went, well, that's that could be funny. And he had added all this stuff where he like falls, grabs a pipe, the pipe breaks. He flies through a window. It's a fire station. He grabs the pole, slides down and lands on the fire truck and the truck drives off. And- well, at least they perfected that stunt in uh, Punisher War Zone or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> that park, that obnoxious parkour mob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and there's this documentary. If you're a Buster Keaton fan watch go to youtube and type in buster keaton rides again there's a documentary he did a short film for the canadian railroad called the rail rotter and it's done in the style of a silent movie it's directed by gerald potterton who went on to do uh heavy metal for ivan reitman oh Um, wow yeah geez and but if you watch buster keaton rides again there's a lot of footage of buster on set with potterton and buster like he comes up the way he comes up with gags because this was a, a a smaller project where he could work the way he used to work. And there's a scene where they go part of Buster's contract was he needs to get a, a freshly shot duck uh, prepared for him for dinner. And one of the crew members goes and bags a duck, brings it in to eat. And Buster, they bring the duck in and Buster's like, oh, boy. And he goes and I think his his wife goes there's a gag here. And Buster's like, there is a gag here. And they come up with this sequence where Buster is on this train and he sets up a duck blind and he's going to hunt for ducks and he sees ducks and he's aiming, aiming, aiming. And then the train goes into a tunnel and he fires and there's all these workers in the tunnel and they flee out, but they just came up with it on the fly right there. And that's kind of how he would work on these old movies. Yeah. Uh, You know, he said he would come up with the beginning and the end and the middle would work itself out. That's what, that's what he'd say. Okay. What um, uh, what budget would these Buster Keaton shorts usually be at, as opposed to what they the norm would have been back then? Well, um, okay. Let me see. This one, I see the box office. I don't see the budget. Let me look at the general because the general, I think, is the movie that kind of did him in. The budget was. 
Ooh. which was a which was a lot of money back then. What year was that just, one? The general? 19, 1926. Okay. And in that movie, Buster staged the most expensive shot in the history of silent film, allegedly, mm. uh, when there he runs a train over a burning bridge, the bridge collapses and the train falls. And they did Jeez. it for real. Um, yeah. And, no CGI uh, that thing. That's for damn sure. No, and that train sat there for a long time and it was scrapped for metal during World War II. Uh, Jackie Chan didn't try and recreate that. Yeah, he's recreated several Buster gags. Like I'll he's bet. done the he's done the the Steamboat Bill Junior facade falling down as everybody has. Um, yeah, uh, Jackie did. You know, like in Police Story. You know, I don't remember Buster doing this, but this is a very silent movie. Like getting an umbrella and hooking onto a car and scraping along. Just about um, Jackie Chan. Do you think that guy embellishes his head more accidents than he really has? That's a question yeah. for John. <laughs> yeah, I did. He I, has? I think he has. Oh, okay. In fact, there's a there's a Hong Kong stuntman documentary that I I thought maybe me and Hunter could uh, possibly cover since it's on the Amazon Haya service. Uh, I don't know if you got access to that too, but that I guess all the NDAs are gone in Hong Kong about disclosing Jackie Chan's doubles because <laughs> in that documentary they reveal Mars did a lot of stunt work that Jackie tries to claim credit for. It was actually really? his buddy Mars who's doing because Mars looks enough like him from a distance where Jackie could actually go to talk to him. Like, oh, I did that. <laughs> Not Mick Mars. Almost died. Like if you see the movie The Protector, uh, it's Mars that jumps on the helicopter ladder off the speedboat that blows up and hits another boat. So Jackie's probably trying to claim their injuries as well as his own. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he, he probably does. But yeah, Mars. Um, pretty much was Jackie's top double for a few years. And then it also, this documentary shows Chin Car Lock doing Jackie's kicks in Dragons Forever, which you can very clearly see on the Blu-ray and uh, or 4K disc or whatever the hell you're watching it on. So the um, this idea that he did all his own stunts is just pure, it's publicity. That's all it is. Of course. Makes him sound uh, a lot better than what he really is. And he does fake the, you know, when, you, when you're watching the stunt outtakes, uh, if he's laying on the ground and they're fanning him, it's fake. <laughs> it's that thing where he lays on the ground, he acts like he's burning or he's hurt, and he's it's fake. And so, so is the is is the drunken master one fake where he burned himself on the coals? Um, that may not be. I don't know. Um, I haven't watched that movie in forever, but uh, I do know that on the set of Eagle Shadow, uh, the late Roy Horan filmed a fight scene with him. He plays the Russian priest killer assassin and he said ah. after they filmed their fight scene jackie goes and like acts like he's really hurt and everybody gathers around him and he didn't quite like roy Horan didn't understand that and then he realized oh that became his gimmick that he worked on you know to start filming him and everything like he injured like he's super injured and like he almost dies for every movie or whatever it became his gimmick and it's like not that he didn't cause... do a lot of dangerous shit but you know he's it's a lot a good percentage of it is fake or he had a double or whatever well and like the 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 one on legend of drunken master or drunken master 2 where he falls on the coals in the final fight scene and they yeah. were like yeah. oh like he really hurt himself i was going why did you need real burning coals for that that doesn't make any sense like you could fake that so easily why use real? They may not like, have been. Um, I didn't. I, know I didn't. Visited, somebody visited the set of Drunken Master Two, and um, in that tea house scene, he said that the stairs were covered with a 
a rubber foam padding. So the stuntmen could, you know, land on their backs on the steps and not be injured. They just bounce off and, mm-hmm. you know, those those guys. But they they did use like padded protection. Uh, Jackie probably had a fireproof suit underneath his clothing if they used real yeah. poles. Like there's they they do all the precautions like that Hong Kong yeah. stuntman documentary. It showed all the takes of the Project A uh, clock tower fall. And yeah, uh, in which bars did like half of the falls. And you see an air mattress, like when Jackie <laughs> Land it pops up in the ground, it's covered with dirt, but you see it pop up a little bit. Yeah, because like, the, the little outtakes where he like lands on his head, it's like, you know, that should kill you, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, he landed yeah. On, a, on an air mattress. They're not that stupid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's part uh, of the magic trick, it's part of the work, you know, the pro wrestling yeah. magic trick. Mm. Well, it's like, you know, like when you watch a Keaton film, like a lot of stuff he's doing is really dangerous. You know, that's because they were just figuring that stuff out. They were figuring, yeah, and... like Buster Keaton innovated stunt work because he was figuring it out as he went along, you know. And 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 he was he grew up in vaudeville. You know, his like the bit was his dad, he would he was a little kid and he looked just like his dad. He had whiskers and stuff. And the joke was his dad would always get mad, pick him up and throw him. You know, and the whole idea was Buster was a projectile. And like, you know, there's even a story that there was a heckler and his dad picked Buster up and chucked him at the heckler. But like they had a little handle on his back so he could pick him up and throw him. And uh, uh, yeah, it was just and, you know, a lot of people thought Buster was being abused because the act was so rough. Early form of midget throwing, I guess. Yeah, it? it was. It was, uh, but Buster was uh, famous as a child star performer, um, and his dad's in a lot of his movies. He's in this one. Um, I believe he plays uh, the girl's dad. Yeah, he's the girl's dad. Uh, that's Joe Keaton as the dad who's like, that's my watch. Get out of here, you know. Um, There's another father named Joe who was good at doing that. His name is Joe Jackson. <laughs> um, he's the big you know, shit out of his kids. But you know what's a sequence in this movie that I think is amazing is when there's a bomb in the eight ball and Buster's playing pool. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and those pool shots are uh, unbelievable. So good. And uh, was, yeah. I love in, in the great Buster, the Peter Bogdanovich documentary on him. Uh, Dick Van Dyke's got the Buster's pool cue. I've got, he's got, I got his pool cue. Never <laughs> let go of it. It says Buster Keaton. You know fantastic surprised jackie doesn't own it that's the same that's the same doc where richard lewis says he's got buster's hat he said that uh it's not buster's hat eleanor keaton buster's widow would make she would make the hats for buster right she would make like little hats she made one for him she made one for him it was not buster's hat um it's one she made for him yeah richard lewis gosh Uh, who do you reckon out of the three i i don't know these these guys at all except one who would you say is physically the best with their comedic skills and timing is it keaton chaplin or lloyd my favorite is keaton um i you know i like lloyd uh you know, I think his movies are good. Uh, Chaplin has a certain talent. Um, it, Chaplin's very good. But, you know, I like Chaplin when he's not 
kind of getting swept up in some social cause you know like the dictator um, or the great the great or, dictator or even called, like yeah. yeah or i mean like you know when i show i show the kid in my film class because it's pretty short but when it's it it takes a while before that movie gets funny and when it starts all the kids are like this movie's really sad like this mm. movie's messed up like this woman abandons her child and you know the father doesn't care and you know it, they were like this is this is really dark stuff and mm. you know i put it in the context of you know there was this a lot of like concern over the welfare of this new you know underclass and these new urban centers and um all that but uh but you know uh, uh, chaplin's very talented but he's just he just you know was would get caught up in his political stuff and i think that was harmful but uh you know i don't think well he was shagging underage girls right that too oh yeah that too um but i think buster was the most talented out of all of them his movies are just so physical and exciting and inventive and you know like you, you know you watch a movie like the general and there's nothing like that today like with him running around on that train and getting his foot caught on the cannon on the train track and it's just so exciting to watch. And uh, Sherlock Jr. is exciting to watch with that motorcycle chase where he's sitting on the front of the motorcycle. Mm. And, oh, and I just, I love it. Like the motorcycle goes through all these random things. Like there's this Irish stag party. It's like Michael O'Murphy stag party. (laughs) They're playing tug of war and he goes through and drags them. And the the Irish men are all getting dragged. And then a couple, the couple that are still holding on, start fighting with, when they, they fight. You finally get let go. Yeah. (laughs) And the the stuff with like, he, he just, he had an engineer's mind, you know, where he'd come up with these gags where, okay, I'm going to go across this bridge and there's going to be a gap here and the bridge is going to fall and it's going to meet this other bridge and I'm going to go across, you know, just coming up with stuff like that. Uh, Brilliant. You know, he just, he would, come up with these rube goldberg machines for comedy could you imagine him being directed by tarantino if those two were <laughs> no i don't think buster would have patience with him <laughs> i think buster would would do the work i mean he was a professional even if he you know, like he went and he did that movie with sam beckett later in his life mm. uh, which was art house nonsense but buster just did it and he was just like what's it about i don't know you know Speaking of art um, house nonsense, bingo. Beach, he? yes, he was in Beach Blanket Bingo oh, wow. and How to That's Stuff how a I Wild. Was introduced bingo. to him when I was a kid. <laughs> that was of- the first movie I watched uh, on TCM after my daughter was born. Beach Blanket Bingo was on TCM in the in the hospital room. Get get so your hands on that. a Peter Sellers film. Not you're on a bit of a Peter Sellers kick called I Love You, LSB Toklas. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's it. it's um it's odd, but it's okay. Um, but John, what about you with Cheat and Kaplan and uh, Kaplan, Chaplin and Lloyd? Um, Buster Keaton, high above the other two. Uh, I'm not a big Harold Lloyd fan. Every Harold Lloyd film I've seen, it just that doesn't do anything for me. And I think it's because he plays this optimistic, go get him kid that I just, I just don't think that person exists anywhere in the real world. And uh, Keaton is great at playing. He plays a little tough guy, and that's mm-hmm. what's real likable about him. Like he's not a coward. And, um, and you, that's what that's what Tarantino said about him. 
Yeah, and I agree with Tarantino on that. He's yeah. not a chicken shit. It's like he, you think of these guys who might be inspired by Keaton, like Woody Allen or even Jackie Chan when he went through his phase of running away from villains and throwing furniture at him and stuff. But that's not the way Keaton is in his old movies. He's kind of a faces up to the problem and you know takes on the bad guys. Yeah, yeah uh, Tarantino was like, I don't understand why comedians always have to be lesser than, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, he's uh, right. He, you know? he goes, he goes, Bob Hope is scared of Jesse James, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well that's because bob hope's specialty was a coward's coward which is perfect yeah. when comedy has dialogue and verbal and hope's thing was he used to be called uh he had a name like rapid fire bob or rapid fire robert that's what it was because he could just scale off the wisecracks like left and right improvise and everything and that played to his his strength as a comedian but with keaton it was just like there was no reason to do that sort of thing because because uh, you're not hearing him so he can't well, make wisecracks. So he's got to do everything physically anyway. And, you know, I, I think I like Lloyd a little more than you, but uh, I I agree with what you said. Um, mm -hmm. One thing like, OK, safety last. You've seen that yeah. one where it hangs off the clock. I've seen. Um, yeah, I, th I think I've seen that one. I've seen like two, three of them, maybe. I've seen uh, safety last the freshman speedy, which is the one I like the most. And the kid brother, the Western hmm. he did. Um, and, you know, like you said, he always plays this kind of bright eyed guy. Uh, but yeah, I just yeah. remember safety last kind of watching it. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of panders to poor people in a way that's a little annoying. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. he sees the, no, I totally know what you mean. He, he goes to work and he like sees the lunch in the window and the, He's got like five cents and he's trying to figure out how to make it work. And I just, you know, I, I, I remember watching that and going like, it, it just kind of feels like we're, we're playing to the poors here, the, yeah. the, the slobs in the audience a little bit. And I, I remember I didn't right. like that when I watched that movie. It's like, a, it's like a movie made by Democrats or something. Yeah. Like it just felt have very, <laughs> and, and, you know, Chaplin would do that, but I, I actually think Chaplin probably, like thought he cared you know? yeah. um, there was and i think he was really caught up in progressive politics um not that that was good uh in terms of like all the socialism and you know loving the soviet union but with lloyd it felt it felt like um with lloyd, with like chaplin i i think he believes all that stuff i don't think lloyd believed it i think he was like pandering to an audience it felt more cynical. i think chaplin could have made a hilarious movie in stalin's workers paradise yeah <laughs> i actually out and, you know. no joke i have a movie uh what's it called i have a movie w that's a soviet silent film it's directed mm -hmm. by lev kuleshov uh the guy who came up with the the kuleshov theory of editing like you see a man you see food oh the man is hungry you see the man you see a woman oh he's in lust you see a man you see a dead child oh he's so sad um yeah but he did a movie that was styled like a harold lloyd chaplin movie about this guy uh -huh. from the u.s and he's got the glasses like lloyd and he comes to the ussr and he's waving american flags oh, <laughs> and wow. uh and if, and and he learns the 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 glories of the soviet revolution but it's styled like a harold lloyd chaplin comedy starring <laughs> steven seagal i gotta find out what that what that movie is um uh i'll 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 look that up because it's it's one of the oh okay oh it's called you'll love this title john are you ready 
The Extraordinary mm-hmm. Adventures of Mr. West in the Land of the Bolsheviks. <laughs> <laughs> the Extraordinary oh The Extraordinary Adventure Extra Extraordinary Adventures of Mr. Adventures. And it's of technically Mr. Soviet cinema, right? It was Oh yeah, this was... is this is Soviet this is Soviet cinema. Um, but yeah, it was the Soviets doing a silent American style comedy as a Soviet propaganda film. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, it's, oh, okay. Here. By the I way, found... I do not disregard Soviet cinema. I think their war and peace no. is the best version I've seen. It's oh fantastic. no, hundred percent. I am a fan of Soviet cinema. There's a reason, mm-hmm. and and you know, you know who else wrote extensively about it is our pal Joe Carducci in his yes, book the Stone Mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks a lot about it. Uh, so here is here's a little. I'll just show you a little bit. This is Mr. West in the land of the Bolsheviks. Mute that audio. This is Mr. West right here in his fur coat. He's, you know, he's a degenerate capitalist because he's wearing a fur coat. He left his little bag on the car there. <laughs> hey, John Hunter's really enjoying the share screen option, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm finally doing yeah, it. He has cool. a new power. <laughs> yeah, I have a new power. Yeah, Mr. West. Oh, but see, he's got the little glasses. <laughs> so Woody Allen. Well, he's like, yeah, like Harold Lloyd, you know. All right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and look, he's got the he's got to have the really expressive face. Yeah. You know, oh anyway, <laughs> but. Yep. So girl find this popular with the Soviets, I guess. Right. Where do I where do I I, I actually got a from Flickr Alley. They had a uh, uh, early Soviet film box set on DVD and uh, I picked that up. So that's where I found it. They, they show him like giving bread to everybody and everybody's fed and happy. And... <laughs> yeah. They're Dude, celebrating just... after 10 hours or 12 hours of work, and they actually worked like 18 hours or something. The Soviets yeah. just want three things, peace, land, and bread. They're know? making they're making uh, tractors. You know, they're just <laughs> manufacturing tractors. Nobody needs Carb-loading them. Bolsheviks. Carb-loading, All right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and I love with uh, Sherlock Jr., one of the moments I love is when Buster arrives at the bad guy's place and he's like jumping through the windows and changing disguises all in one shot. Yeah. And uh, his like Watson character who always pops up at random points. And like, he's like, there's that bit where he's got like this box and he's selling stuff and he gets up against the wall and tells Buster to jump through him. And he <laughs> jumps through the wall. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched it, I went, how did they do that? And it's, it's not hard to figure it out once you kind of stop it and look at it, but it's there, there are moments in that film where I was like, Whoa, how, what did well, he, they do? He went for some like George, like your melee type of uh, French silent illusion. Oh yeah. That stuff is always fascinating to watch. It's not very long either. You can watch a, a melee short is like eight minutes long and you just see a yeah. lot of stuff. That's really amazing. Even if all it is, is just frame cuts, but they do a great job. Like yeah, it's still the, stunning to see today. Yeah, the Melies stuff, like Flickr Alley, that company that put out the uh, um, the Soviet 
box set I was talking about. They they've done some amazing Melier sets. Like I have their Melier's in color Blu-ray. Yes, yeah. astoundingly detailed, beautiful uh, re- reproductions of these movies. Like they have Melier's Joan of Arc film. Oh, mm-hmm. incredible! And a lot of them include narration you would have heard in the theater. Okay, so like like Trip to the Moon. There's that long sequence at the beginning where all these people who look like Mickey Mouse and the Sorcerer's Apprentice are, mm-hmm. you know, in a room talking to each other and they start throwing things and it doesn't really make any sense. You just kind of sit there a while and go, okay, I guess they decided to go to the moon. Well, you can watch it with narration and mm-hmm. they talk about this character disagrees with this character and da, 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 da. And then, okay, after this, you know, they, it, 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 which is what they had in those happening. theaters, right? Yes, exactly. And so you, when I show that in my film class to go, you know, you wouldn't have just been watching this with a soundtrack. You might've had a guy walking you through the story whose job yeah, was yeah. to narrate it. Um, and that Blu-ray includes that. Do they have watermarks in the corners like Detlef's Frankenstein? Yes. They, Edwin Deadlaugh put his <laughs> watermark in the corner and said, uh, you know, this is my, I, I, found, I found this. I have the brains. Yeah. That guy, that guy was real fun at parties and neighborhood get-togethers. I'm sure. Oh yeah, you know, you know, he was uh, fighting One off day, the lady. Early Victor Miller, he was. Dude, uh, but yeah, that Frankenstein though, I love that. It's only worth watching for the monster creations. Mm, that's it. The rest know? of it's boring. Yeah, the rest of it's boring, and in fact, the monster is kind of like a weird magical creature in it. Um, yeah. Like he's going through mirrors and stuff. It's very weird. Uh, but well, it's like he creates cre- a monster with like formulas and potions and stuff. Yeah. It's well, like- that's what I liked about it was it was interesting to see a Frankenstein that wasn't uh, kind of just doing the James Whale thing again or mm. the Metropolis yeah. thing again. It, it you know he does some potions and the monster grows out of a cauldron, you know, and it's just clear they just melted the monster into a cauldron and. Reverse mm. filmed it, but it was still cool to watch. Like yeah, I thought yeah. that was neat. Yeah. Uh yeah. to watch somebody dreaming that up without, you know, oh, I'm gonna do it like Metrop the girl in Metropolis, or you know, I'm yeah. gonna do it yeah. like James. I'm right. gonna do it like right. Boris Karloff and Cl- Colin Clive. Yeah. Still not um, as good as the Invisible Man. That's the greatest. <laughs> the Invisible Man's awesome. The greatest mm-hmm. universal. And you know what? I've never seen any of the sequels or spinoffs, and I I was like, I need to fix that. I they're need good. To watch all of those. They're good. They're, yeah, they range from good to okay, but they're definitely worth your time. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, any any other thoughts or observations on Sherlock Junior. John? Uh, I would say that you'll notice in this movie he never does the deerstalker hat and pipe. Because that was not the common culture image of Sherlock Holmes at the time. I wasn't a trademark. Oh yeah, thing. people just read the stories, and he was a detective, and that was it. It nobody thought Deerstalker hat and pipe. That was because of the popularity, I think, of the stage play and later the Rathbone movies and and posters for that sort of it's, thing. Isn't it interesting how so much of the stuff from movies came from play versions, like Frankenstein? Yeah. Dracula. A lot of the stuff from the movie Frankenstein and Dracula mm. came from theater versions. In fact, I read recently that Mary Shelley didn't realize how popular Frankenstein was until she saw it as a play. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I guess yeah. I've arrived. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, uh, the stage play kind of create the that actor, whoever, you know, made the role big. Um, he made the whole thing famous with the deerstalker hat and the pipe. And and that became the the common, the cultural image of Sherlock Holmes. You see deerstalker mm. hat and pipe, you think Sherlock. Mm. But when Buster made this, you know, Sherlock Holmes is just a guy in a suit who put on disguises and, you know, like in the Doyle stories. It wasn't really, you know, it, it wasn't the, the those cliches were not established at the time. Didn't they do that so in the Robert Downey Jr. films as well? They made him more similar to the Doyle books, where he's always in disguise. Yeah, I mean, because if you read the Doyle books or the the stories and everything, I think he, maybe he wears a deerstalker hat once, twice, maybe. Okay. You know, and I mean, he's he smokes a pipe when Watson comes to get him or a client comes in or, or something, but he doesn't, or he's thinking about a problem, but it's not like he's, he's always got it in his mouth, like James Bond and a cigarette, you know, it's never like that. It's just, his guy puts on his suit. A, a lot of times the common image was like a top hat and um, like whatever, a, a like a tuxedo type of thing they'd have in England at the time. Here's, here's a question uh, that you mentioned James yeah. Bond, which James Bond in the opinion of you two is the closest and most faithful to Bond's, description by Fleming Dalton okay but which film yeah Dalton as uh, Bond? probably license to kill license That's to probably, kill not living Daylight. maybe maybe license to kill and maybe parts of the living daylights um some of Roger Moore's early work is very close to the Fleming I mean the Fleming um the Fleming persona like he drinks whiskey bourbon mm-hmm. which is what he does in the books he doesn't like in the early movies uh, Moore's 007 doesn't drink a, a martini. He drinks uh, whiskey like he does in the novels. Okay. He doesn't drink martinis in the novels. He drinks bourbon. He loves bourbon. That was a and, uh, and Moore had him smoking a cigar to kind of differentiate him from Connery and uh, Lazenby. So he wanted to put his own stamp on the character. Later on, Moore starts drinking the martinis because he was getting paid $10 million or mm. however much for it. It was expected, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was kind of that thing. But I would say... Um, Fleming describes Bond as looking like Hoagie Carmichael. And if you look at all those actors, Timothy Dalton looks like Hoagie Carmichael. You know, they're the most like Hoagie Carmichael. If you look at okay. like the nose and everything and the eyes, he he really does look more like the Fleming Bond. And he behaves that way. He's kind of cranky. It's not really funny. No. Like, especially in the early novels. Um, later on, when the Connery, the first couple of Connery movies did real well, Fleming started basing the character in the books more on Connery's Connery, interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, because there's some really bad one-liners. You know, Fleming didn't have a great sense of humor for wisecracks, and so some really bad like 007 jokes or one-liners because Connery was doing them in the movies, mm. and Fleming was doing his own version of it. It just doesn't really work. Well, you know who I think, you know who I think is the most faithful. Lazenby, right? Woody Allen, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. Peter yeah. Sellers. <laughs> oh boy, David Niven. <laughs> David Niven, uh, that was that Casino Royale movie is uh, terrible. Uh, uh, oh, it's garbage. Terrible. But one thing, the one one thing I thought was really funny was David Niven's Bond is so distressed that Bond has to be a sex fiend. He's like, he's like, my goodness, why is he a sex maniac? Oh, I'm, he's just like he's actually this really conservative British guy. You know? And the funny um, thing is, David Niven was one of Fleming's choices in the fifties when they were trying to get a Bond movie going. It's like he he thought David Niven would have made. Well, there was, was a Casino Royale TV play broadcast in 
Yeah. 58 or 59? With, 60, with Peter Laurie as Le Chief. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a, an American was playing him, and he was card sense Jimmy Bond of the CIA. Jimmy Bond. That's so. Jimmy Bond, yes. yes. Yeah. One thing I never um, understood about the Casino Royale was David Niven stutters and stutters, and then it just goes. It disappears throughout the whole film. Just That, that movie is... Like if you look up troubled production in mm-hmm. the dictionary, you'll find that movie, poster of know. that movie. Yeah, it was just yeah. ridiculous. And and Peter Sellers was doing the thing comedian crazy comedians do, where I I'm gonna play this straight. I don't want to be funny for this movie. I really want to be James Bond. You know. Well, he had a problem with Orson Welles on the set. Yeah. So oh, he wouldn't be in. Anytime Sellers didn't like you, he would not appear in frame with you. Yeah. It you was know, like, like it was on. Weird, it was... He was fired. He was fired. You can tell in the editing of the film mm-hmm. that he was fired and they were working around that in the second half of the movie. Yeah. And uh, they they had to kind of restructure it because he was going to be the star and then they got rid of I heard the, one of the producers uh, thought he was because Woody Allen kind of looks a bit like Peter Sellers with the glasses and stuff. And I heard one of the producers went up to Peter Sellers thinking he was Woody Allen and was talking crap about Peter Sellers. Peter, oh boy. Sellers, Peter Sellers went, bye-bye. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I heard uh, the episode you boys did on the Pink Panther ones, on the first two. And I, um, I was listening, I said, I've seen quite a lot of Peter Sellers, not, not all. But the, the greatest piece of genius he ever did was the Goon Show stuff. I mean, that it just, it'll never be topped. The the true comic genius of Pierce Ellis was in the Goon Show. I, I was listening to some bits like this one bit where he takes a tour through the accents of the United Kingdom. <laughs> oh, and like there was traveling through. Oh, oh so yeah. funny. Oh, so But there was funny. one film he didn't mention on there. I'm pretty sure he didn't. It was one called Mouse on the Moon. Oh, no, sorry, The Mouse at Roared. I yeah, I actually watched that after we did it. Yeah. Um, or I think so, yeah. And I was actually I think I I don't maybe I didn't mention this on the show, but I was in a play version of it when I was in eighth grade. Oh really? Yeah. And that's one of those movies that's one of those movies that should be funnier than it is. The 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 premise is hysterical. Oh like, yeah. Get into a war with the US so, so you can get the money. money. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I re- rebuild your country yeah it's so funny and there was um, another one i think it had peter sales in it called help me out john's it soft beds hard battles is that sellers it might have a different title in america it's definitely called soft beds hard battles where he plays uh because i just ha- watched one called i'm all right jack where he's a union steward yeah, it's just, I think he's got a Blu-ray. Yeah, release. soft yeah. beds, soft beds, hard battles has Peter Sellers. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw it, it on like TV. A, yeah, yeah, I saw it on TV. God, back in eighty, eighty-one when I was a kid. It's uh one of his lesser ones. No one talks about that. He film. plays many characters, including Hitler in this. Yeah, no, I was going to say he plays <laughs> A H in it. Yeah. I think that's one of those famous buried productions that, like, he made it. For money and everything, but it barely got released because the distributors like we can't sell this thing. Mm-hmm. He, he did a lot of stuff like that in the early seventies. He would do movies like Where Does It Hurt, which was basically just like a cheap comedy, just made to make a quick buck, like just for him to make, I guess, some alimony money or whatever. I like What the New Pussycat as well. I enjoy that one. Which that's, was that's Woody Allen's. That was Woody Allen's first script. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. 
Well, um, was I don't know if that was or if it was um, what's up, Tiger Lily? If that was, the I think, first one he did. I think what's new was before that. What's okay, it was his first directing job, which yeah, was, yeah. Um, but uh, so Stu, did you look into Keaton at all? Did you look into his career? No, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna say, well, yeah, you didn't watch the Great Buster or anything like that. No, I just said this. Well, the Christmas and New Year break has just been, yeah, batshit for me. So, um, no, I didn't. Um, will I? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, Maybe. uh, John, have you looked deeper into his movies? Have you just seen the classics? Like, I've seen basically the main ones. I'm going to look deeper into his films because uh, I gave one year for Christmas. I gave my wife a bunch of Buster Keaton on Blu-ray because she was a big fan. And um, there was something that uh, when I met with Joe Carducci uh, about a month ago or actually a few months ago in Laramie, uh, he was telling me that as much as he loves silent films and he's written a lot about them, he goes, they're very hard to watch in, on home video. He says, mm-hmm. re- you really have to go to a silent movie film festival in a theater. Cause he says, when you watch them in a theater, your attention is there. It's focused on yes. it, but on, on at, at home, it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, it's easy enough to get distracted from just a regular movie. You know, if you got stuff yeah. going on, but silent movies, forget it. You, That's you like watching the movies. first two Marx brothers films. I think they're both silence. And, um, I mean, they stick out as they're not very good. I got to say, oh, Buster's. Hang on. Is the coconut silent? The Marx no. Brothers? No. no. Okay, no it's good sound. Else. just not very good sound. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's early talkies, so okay. it sounds like crap. Right, right, right. Um, but, the Three Stooges uh, innovated talkies the, like with the sound effects and stuff. They were actually the innovators of sound effects. Oh, my God. The greatest. There's the ghost but, right there. The Three Stooges. Yeah. Uh, but Buster. Um, like with his movies, I find them very watchable. Like it's easier for me to pay attention to those, but that's a, a good point. You know, whenever I've really been into a silent movie, I remember I saw Fritz Lang's destiny in a theater. I could mm-hmm. never watch that movie at home, but in the theater, I, I was wrapped up in it. You know, I thought it was great, but I could never watch it at home. Well, um, I'll give you a home video horror story of trying to watch a silent film. I always wanted to watch uh, off Turner classic movies. I taped, uh, Mysterious Island and Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I always wanted to see those. I was never able to get through them, yeah, because they're they're very long. They're amazingly filmed and everything, but they're very difficult to watch at home. On like, maybe I'll try them again. I'll pick up the Blu-rays or DVDs one day and try them again on the big screen. But they were really tough to watch on TV. I never. I, I watched the um, Wizard of Oz, not the thirty-nine one, the one before that. I mean, it was. I'm dead yeah. sure there was a silent version of that, and it was just. There's a bunch of them. There's like Patchwork Girl of Oz. They did a bunch of the Baum novels mm. as films. Yeah. There's some uh, home video editions with Jacqueline Lavelle, the real pretty woman from the Charles Band cheap smut movies from the 90s. She does the narration. She had a good voice. She was actually oh, wow. a decent actress. She does the narration. So it, maybe it makes them easier. I know they're they're out there. I think you can find them on YouTube and stuff. But uh, they're, I, I do want to check those out because I'm reading the Oz novels. And, which are very different from the movie versions we've seen and um, not as childish and silly as you would think. Um, so I, I want to watch those to see if they're like more faithful or they're interesting to watch with narration. We'll see. What about the whiz? <laughs> whiz. Yeah. I saw that as a kid. I never, I never was crazy about that. Um, But uh, yeah, but I think like when I watch like Fritz Lang movies or something, it's really tough to watch those at home. Uh, but 
Buster, yeah. I, I never have a problem watching him at home. Uh, Lloyd is more difficult, stuff like that. Um, but but Keaton, you know, he had those classic movies, but what kind of killed his career, Stu, no, I didn't kill, kill it. He did very well for a while, but uh, he signed his rights over to MGM and he started working yeah. at MGM. And the dip in quality in his movies is drastic. The first yeah. movie he did for him, for them, the cameraman is pretty good. Um, I like that one. All the ones after that, all of the talkies are garbage. Like one, really once bad. they got his rights, I said they'll give him a good one, lull him into a, a false sense of security, and hit him with all the crap after. Yeah, that. and and he like started drinking too much, and you know, uh, and eventually you know, he kind of just became a, a gag man. Like he would write jokes for the Marx brothers on their movies. And oh. um, like he worked on night at the opera and stuff like that. Like a lot of night at the opera gags are reworked from Buster Keaton movies. Um, there's a movie called uh, free and easy that recite that a lot of the night at the opera gags are recycled from. And of course um, the, um, the clock one with Harold Lloyd, what's it called? Uh, safety last safety last obviously parried in in uh back to the future <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. And, and more uh breathtakingly done in project a Jackie yeah Chan project a does an amazing project uh, a. safety last but uh but keaton became kind of a gag man and he would do movies and stuff like that but he never really got back to that level where he was but um uh, like John Carpenter, man, after the thing, it just wasn't the same anymore. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was, uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, Encountering Chevy Chase. That was it for old Jack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but all the, the, the Keaton stuff from his shorts up through Steamboat Bill and the cameraman, those are all gold. Like, I think they're all fantastic. Um, after that, it's kind of for fans only, I think. Mm. Um, he did appear in Sunset Boulevard, though. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, he was in. He played an old silent movie star playing poker with Gloria Swanson. What do we think of Mel Brooks's silent movie? I never saw it. I haven't seen. I it. I haven't seen it. Mm-mm. I've seen it's parts of, of it. Never seen it's, the whole. Film. It's fun. I enjoyed it. Might be one we can look at covering later down the track, amongst all the other ten thousand ones. Like, oh, we got to do that. Oh, we got to do this one. Yeah, yeah, we got, we got yeah. a uh, laundry list as, as uh, long as uh, the members of Deep Purple all, <laughs> all lined up. Got a whole <laughs> list of movies we need to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Deep Purple Mark 48. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, uh, is there anything, any other Buster Keaton observations we want to do before we sign out? How old was he when he made this? Oh, gosh. Um, he had to be like around 30, I think. Uh, let's okay. See. Buster, this was 1926. Buster was. Oh, wait, that's the wrong movie. Um, this is 24. Sherlock Jr. Yeah, this one was 24. So uh, Buster was born in 1895. So, so nearly 30. Yeah, he was, he was about 30. Mm. Yeah. and died at what age 70 in 1966 okay 
Um, yeah, he looks he like in those last few things he's in, like the Rail Rotter and uh, the Beckett film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he looks pretty rough, grizzled. Um, yeah, you know, smoked his whole life. You know, just Gary kinda... Busey level yeah. grizzled. Just no, no, no. He didn't have brain damage. You know, he was still <laughs> sharp. Um, but he just, you know, you could just tell he smoked and drank too much. You know, mm. especially on the rail rider, he was uh, insisting on doing his own stunts and gags. He was insulted that they brought in a stunt man. Yeah, in fact, uh, there was a stunt where Buster was supposed to go on the train. It's like one of those little single train car, like single train seat things. He goes across a bridge and he gets a, a map out and the map gets caught in the wind and blocks his face and he's flying along. And the director was like, we're not doing that. It's too dangerous. And Buster's like, what do you mean it's too dangerous? He's like, I've been doing this for how long? Like 69 years? I think I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And um, and he's like, it's not, it's child's play. Like, he's, he's, he's really angry that they won't do it. And they do this alternate version where um, he's doing his laundry. Like, he's hanging up clothes to dry on the train. Uh, the little single car thing and uh, they do it and Buster's like it's not funny it's not a gag he goes it's only funny if you think someone's going to get hurt (laughs) (laughs) it's probably something correct in his philosophy actually and they end up doing it his way and he's like see it's funny you know like he he's just like it was so funny he's so like it just indignant that they don't they won't let him do it because they're worried about it being too dangerous. He's like, I've been doing this my whole life and it's funny. And the war version you have, there's no joke there. He's like, no, no, that's not your gag. <laughs> He's like smoking a cigarette with the little. Oh, the extended thing one, yeah. yeah you know. So um, how long do we get Rob Zombie's bio on Buster Keaton? Oh, it'll be a Never. few years. He'll <laughs> be played by, he'll be played by uh, Richard Brake. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be played by, uh, by uh, what's it? Bill Forsyth. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jeff Kenya Phillips. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, any any other observations, Stu? Anything? Any takeaways, John? No. Was impressed with the physical comedy. I thought this is this is pretty groundbreaking for yeah something nearly a hundred years old. Yeah, it it really is. Yeah. Um, it's only forty five minutes, folks at home. So go watch it if you can. It's uh, if you have the patience for a silent movie. Um. And once things get going in it, it's pretty exciting. Hmm. Um, it's a bit, a bit of a slow start. Yeah. Not much. Yeah, it is. I, I show I show the general instead of this one because I noticed that with high school kids, their patience is tried by the first act. Um you need where... to show your students the uh Woody Allen kangaroo boxing video. <laughs> <laughs> no real reason that it's just entertaining to watch. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Hmm. Um well uh are there any plugs you have, John? Are we going to rate uh, no. this thing? Oh, yeah. Let's rate it. Uh, Stu, you oh, yeah. go first. All right. I'm going to give it a five. That's not to say it's bad, but because it's just it, the lack of title cards bother me a little. Um, to give it something like two would be just ridiculous because it is a pretty incredible achievement in physical comedy. So probably a five. Worth your time, I'd say yes, for sure. And, you know, I would need to see it again. I, I will asterisk, 
asterisk it as not to be never seen again. Uh, I will definitely watch again. John, what about you? Uh, <laughs> um, I give it an eight. Um, it I, I will note it kind of gives you a preview of the car turning into a boat, which yes. I love me did. So yes. I don't know if that was a tribute to to the great Buster, but maybe it was. Uh, you know, now that I think about it. Uh, but it's a fun watch. It's only f- like 45, 50 minutes on even on YouTube, you can find a good print. The HD and, oh, yeah, one, it's yeah. like Blu-ray quality, yeah. Yeah, don't don't let the first few minutes. I mean, Stu's correct. It is. It takes a little build up to get to the good stuff, but it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When Buster time. falls asleep, the movie takes off like a rocket. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's a better, you know, it's better than what you can see in theaters these days. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I give Where it an eight. With a light pen, drew everything you're seeing, and you know, somewhere yeah. in uh, in uh, India or uh, Thailand. I give it an eight as well. I think it, it it's not my favorite Keaton, but it's up there. Uh, it's uh, very exciting, innovative, interesting, but it, my favorite's going to be the general. I just think that one's a tremendous achievement. Um, I think it's his greatest work. For sure. Like Junior is uh, a good starting point. Yeah, oh yeah. I think yeah. this is a good intro uh, to Keaton. Yeah. Um, and uh, the shorts are great. Like if you ever want to watch some of the shorts, like cops one week, which has the house gag where he's got the house that he screws up and it was remade uh, as the money pit with Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. was it? Okay. I yeah. Didn't know that. Yep. Uh, but, um, what's new? But anyway, Pussycat? What's new? Pussycat. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so if you want visit us at midnightmoviecowboys.com if you want to support the show, uh, hit the Ko-Fi donation link that helps cover the costs of the show. Uh, we appreciate uh, giving you this entertainment, but it just helps. It just helps us out. Um, yeah. Uh, anything yeah. to add, Stu? That I forgot. No. Um, just nice to be back. I'll be. I'll be making a plate to be on more often this year instead of the uh, sporadic. The end of last year was not good for me, so I I just couldn't do it. But. Uh, and was last year or the year before when I had six months off from a garage. Anyway, I've been taking way too many breaks and long, long breaks. So I won't be doing that. I'll be missing here and there, the odd one, but um, not as much as I used to. So uh, if uh, my appearance down here enjoys or it makes it more enjoyable for you, if it doesn't, tough shit. <laughs> Fuck off. Um... I all right. Well, oh, actually, that- I sorry, I do have my channel that I've just rebooted. Um, I'm just going to put the odd thing on there, uh, the odd oddity, because I did manage to get a VHS to digital gizmo that you plug in and you can transfer your tapes and my laser disc, which I'm just selling off. I just sold a whole bunch to a guy the other day, and um. I got crates and crates of tapes of oddities and stuff. So if I find the other thing, I'll pop it on there and uh, some lost TV shows. But uh, yeah, and that's about it for me. All right. Oh, and well, uh, stick around for the Nez. He's back for this year. So he just sent me his piece. I don't know what's on there. It's anything. It could be anything, especially with uh, 
<laughs> Prince Harry's book just being released. Oh gosh, which oh. he's just, which he's just read. <laughs> told em- me embarrassing. Yeah. Think about it. He read Coffee with Hitler and Prince Harry's in the same month. So oh yeah, I'm you sure think- Prince Harry's book. I'm sure that's a quick read anthony said you've got a question he's the only ginger in the whole family <laughs> it's like well, oh yeah i think i think know, he major think he major talked. james whatever that guy's name was i think i think a quick paternity test would show he's not actually oh yeah. Well, yeah yeah um anyway uh well with that stay tuned for that and you can hear all about uh the embarrassment that is prince harry and uh allegedly i don't know if that's what he's going to talk about but anyway with that i'm going to go ahead and say adios Yeah, peace out. And now, it's time for Rue Britannia with your foreign correspondent, the Nez. In a move that will surprise nobody other than those who still believe it was the man from Miltray who put classified documents into the boot of Joe Biden's car, Harry Markles' farewell letter to the Wall family, Spare, was published last week. Reviews were hostile to say the least. Not so much Spare, but Spare me. Unsurprisingly, it was 410 pages of his best traits, the hypocrisy, the carping, the whinging, the complaining, the whining, the narcissism, the lies for money, the inconsistencies, the dishonesty, the rage, the self-pity. In the course of two months alone, Amazon's recommended retail price for the book has dropped from £20.99 to £13.99. Best review I've read so far. An invitation to the King's coronation in May will simply now not be forthcoming. Meanwhile, over at the Parliamentary Estate, Tory MP Andrew Bridgen ended up shitting pickles this week after having the party whip withdrawn this after he effectively described the government's handling of the two-year COVID pandemic window as quote-unquote a holocaust. Nothing wrong with that. And just to be clear, 87,000 English people died in two years since they couldn't get in the hospital, couldn't get medication, couldn't get medical treatment. Bridgen was effectively correct. It was a holocaust. And in today's Conservative Party, pays not to ask too many questions. Actually, given the party's drift towards WCRGT, it pays for Tory MPs not to be conservative at all. A general election wipe is effectively now 18 months away. Meanwhile in Scotland, the semi-independent Scottish government formally ratified into law the Scottish National Party's transgender bill, much to the disgust of the feminist lobby. The bill, which gives equal legal footing to women and transgenders, prompted sufficient opposition in Parliament that protesters formally took off their clothes and discussed its passing. Girls, girls. Opposition was and is so effectively unanimous on both sides of the board that the Tory government in London has stated it will now stop the legislation from being passed in Scotland, which puts the Tories in opposition with itself given its Wokes RGT high-mindedness. Nothing like Wokes RGT to hold out the hand of friendship and bring people together. Hi, my name is Caiaphas, pleased to meet you. Further notes in passing, a Muslim immigrant was arrested last week at Heathrow Airport in possession of a consignment of enriched uranium. Well, Muslims do like to glow in the dark, rather them than me. French Premier League footballer Benjamin Mendy, having been cleared of four charges of sexual assault, has now been sent for retrial in June, 
given that the jury in his original trial last week couldn't actually reach a verdict on two counts. Clearly a premier shit. And by the way, did I mention the fact that he's black? And finally, Mayor of London Sadus Khan demanded that the City of London adopt its own immigration policy this week. Good idea. As someone who's never been there, nothing would give me greater pleasure than to actually see the City of London barricaded in, quarantined in, and frankly walled in forever. West Berlin style. That's a living, all right. Pax. Thank you for listening to the Midnight Movie Cowboys. For more information, go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com. For feedback, comments, or show suggestions, go to midnightmoviecowboys at gmail.com. Like what you hear? Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Hear us on Stitcher Radio. Head over to stitcher.com and download the app. Want to help the show out? Head on over to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and hit the PayPal donate. We appreciate all donations of any denomination. Find us on Twitter at MMCowboys. Like us on Facebook. Head over to facebook.com type in Midnight Movie Cowboys. Hit the like button over there. Want to friend us personally on Facebook or follow us on Twitter? Go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and find the links from there on the right-hand side. Thanks for listening. See you all next week.